Old Joe makes his comeback. Kamala Harris gets whittled down to size, and Barack Obama has a rotten evening. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Oh, man, what a debate last night. The spills, the thrills, the chills, the radicalism. I know it was actually incredibly boring, but when you break it all down, it's not quite as boring as it seems. And the good news for you is that if you missed the entire debate, you saved yourself three hours, and now you're going to get everything you need to know in the next 45 minutes or so. It's just going to be great. You're going to love it. Okay, so let's just jump right in. The big themes of the night, right off the top, Barack Obama was a loser. This is not according to Republicans. This is according to Democrats. Barack Obama must have been sitting home going, what, me? Why me? What? What? He is the most popular Democrat in America. He has been for well over a decade. And the Democrats on stage, except for Joe Biden, because they were attacking Joe Biden, decided it was necessary to take Barack Obama and then drive over him with a bus and then put the bus in reverse and then drive over him in reverse. It was really amazing. So the Democrats, because they have to differentiate themselves from the past and they have to look forward to the future, they've decided that Barack Obama has to be left behind. That was theme of the night number one. Theme of the night number two. All Joe Biden has to do is survive. Now, that is a difficult task for him. He was stumbling a little bit last night. He looked more energetic. He looked better than he had in the past. But he, he didn't look as energetic as he did even five or 10 years ago, obviously. He looks old up there. That's going to be a problem against Donald Trump. But all he had to do was not make a big boo-boo and acquit himself fairly decently. He did that last night. So that means that Biden looks a lot more durable today than he did yesterday. Because he is the most electable Democrat out there. Everybody knows this. It is true from the national polling. It is true from the state polling. Joe Biden's positions are closer to the mainstream than any of the other Democrats on that stage. And also, it turns out that his old boss, Barack Obama, still kind of a popular dude. So Joe Biden, all he had to do was survive. He did. And then the third theme of the night was that Kamala Harris had a giant fail. Now, Kamala Harris was always a bit of a paper tiger, meaning she is good on the attack, but she has no defense. She, as a boxer, she lets her hands down way, way too much. And, and because she does not actually have any core principles in which she believes, that means that she makes herself vulnerable to anybody who does have core principles. She moves around a lot. And Nate Silver, the pollster over at 538, he has suggested in the past that Kamala Harris looks a lot like Mitt Romney did for the Republicans, where she's sort of shifting on her positions. On paper, she looks pretty good, but in reality, not nearly as good as a candidate. Kamala Harris was exposed last night. She was exposed in a very bad way. And this means that this race looks like more and more it's going to boil down to a two-person race between Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren. If it boils down to Joe Biden versus Elizabeth Warren, Biden is the nominee and we get a Trump-Biden race because that dynamic looks a lot like Hillary versus Bernie circa 2016. Why? Well, when you look at Hillary versus Bernie, what really differentiated the two was their voting base. Hillary's voting base was a lot more minority than Bernie Sanders' was. This is also true of Joe Biden. And if it comes down to a Biden versus Warren race, there's a significant likelihood that at some point in there, Barack Obama does weigh in on the side of Joe Biden, particularly if it becomes clear that Joe Biden is going to sweep all the southern states and Elizabeth Warren is going to do nothing in those states. But Kamala Harris's collapse last night was actually the big story of the night. Right? Joe Biden survives. Kamala Harris basically gets KO'd, but not by Joe Biden. Now, all of that is just sort of the introduction to what was a fascinating debate in many ways. Again, it was Democrats running directly to the left, right off the cliff, except for Joe Biden, who was standing there going, guys, what are you doing? Why? But virtually every other Democrat on the stage, maybe Senator Michael Bennett, who nobody's ever heard of, all the other Democrats were racing to the left, racing to the left. And again, this means that Barack Obama, by contrast, looks like a Republican. If you were just listening to that debate and you had no idea which party Barack Obama belonged to, you would assume that Barack Obama was the preceding Republican president. 
That's what you would assume. It was incredible. And what made it more incredible is that this whole thing led off with Tom Perez, who is sort of the rah-rah guy. Both nights, he gets up there beforehand, he warms up the crowd like a bad comic, kind of straightens his tie and goes out there like Rodney Dangerfield. And he says, he starts off by saying, who else misses Obama? Who else misses Obama? Big cheer. And then when the debate starts, it's like, nobody misses Obama, man. We hate that guy. Here is Tom Perez leading it off. Am I the only one who misses Barack Obama in this room? Man. Well, when you contrast him with Trump, yes. When you contrast him with the other Democrats, it turns out a lot of Democrats in the primary base, not in love with Barack Obama. Now, after the debate, you could see that the, the Democratic commentators couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe it. They were saying, why are these Democrats attacking Barack Obama? Joy Reid and Joe Scarborough on MSNBC, they're beside themselves. What are the Democrats doing? They're disassociating themselves from the most popular politician of the last 35 years. What, what in the world? Here is MSNBC. They couldn't believe what Democrats had just done. It was weird for me to watch about 40, almost 40 minutes um, of primarily attacks on the Obama administration's policies. It was odd. It took, I mean, de Blasio made a full-on attack of Obamacare. Essentially said, we have no working health care system in America. But hello, we have Obamacare. Yeah. It's almost as if the debate forgot who's president. Because the attacks on Donald Trump, I don't, I don't remember his name being mentioned that much. And so it was odd for me for these candidates to debate changes in health care and their different policies on immigration as if Trump doesn't exist. And all of this, of course, is being driven by the fact that Joe Biden is, in fact, the front runner. So if you want to go after Biden, you have to go after Obama. There's just no way to do it otherwise because you can't separate off Biden from Obama. Biden's entire record is wrapped up with a bow with Obamaism. So very, very fascinating kind of stuff. Okay, so the debate leads off. Right before the debate, everybody is focusing in on it's going to be Biden versus Harris. And those are going to be the fights that really matter. As it turns out, those were not the fights that really mattered all that much. Biden acquitted himself well against Harris, as we'll see. But the person who actually took out Kamala Harris was not. Joe Biden. It was Tulsi Gabbard who came in from the top rope, from left field, pile driver, knee to the skull. It was brutal. We'll get to that in just one second. It started off, by the way, before the debate starts off. It starts off with Joe Biden greeting Harris and on a hot mic saying, take it easy on me, kid. Here's a little bit of, of what that sounded like. It's clip 50. Take it on me, kid. And she says, oh, okay, okay. Well, Again, everyone was sort of expecting her to go hard after Biden. Everyone took their shot at Biden and they all missed. And they all missed. Okay, so we'll get to all that in just one second. First, nowadays there are a lot of different types of cars on the road. There's no way that the auto parts store located near you can have all the parts that you need for your car at the proper price. Well, this is why the interwebs exist. The internets, which are great. It turns out Joe Biden doesn't know what an internet is, but the internet is fantastic. And one of the things that it provides to you is the ability to get the kind of car parts that you actually need. Well, rockauto.com does it all for you. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog, it's unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. They are the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same exact parts? Instead, head on over to rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and make sure that you write Shapiro in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you. That helps our show. It also helps them know to continue advertising with the show, go to rockauto.com and write Shapiro in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we say and send some money 
save some money on your car parts, obviously. Okay, so you can see the Democrats begin to run to the left. We're going to run through some of their opening statements. There are a bunch of candidates on the stage. So Bill de Blasio is the most radical candidate on the stage. And he was going directly after Joe Biden, and he was going directly after Barack Obama. It was amazing to watch. So here is Bill de Blasio, the most annoying man, serial groundhog murderer, Bill de Blasio, giant weirdo, huge, con- he's basically like John Kasich. If John Kasich were simultaneously a giant, a communist, and a serial groundhog murderer. That's, that's Bill de Blasio in a nutshell. So here is Mayor Bill de Blasio leading off by smacking Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in a bid for attention. Joe Biden told wealthy donors that nothing fundamentally would change if he were president. Kamala Harris said she's not trying to restructure society. Well, I am. When I'm president, we will even up the score and we will tax the hell out of the wealthy to make this a fairer country and to make sure it's a country that puts working people first. Okay, and then people in the back start chanting at de Blasio because de Blasio hasn't arrested a police officer who was involved in the death of Eric Garner. So it was a mess. I mean, right from the outset, it was a mess. And de Blasio kept doubling down on this. You know, in his conclusion, in his concluding statement, he comes right back to where he was, saying that he's basically a socialist and he wants more socialism. If he thinks this is a winning campaign, not Barack Obama, socialism, go for it, Mayor Bill. If we're going to beat Donald Trump, this has to be a party that stands for something. This has to be the party of labor unions. This has to be the party of universal health care. This has to be the party that's not afraid to say out loud, we're going to tax the hell out of the wealthy. And when we do that, Donald Trump, right on cue, will call us socialists. Well, here's what I'll say to him. Donald, you're the real socialist. The problem is, it's socialism for the rich. Nobody understands what the hell he's talking about. Here in this country... We don't have to take it anymore. We can fight back. I love that he says that and he's waiting for the claps and nothing happens, right? He's waiting for the applause. He's like, we'll say, Donald, you're the real socialist. And everybody's like, um, what now? So socialism bad or is it good? Confused. Okay, so that was Bill de Blasio's opening pitch. Then you had the execrable Kirsten Gillibrand, who's just awful, 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 awful. She leads off trying to be inspirational by saying something very, very silly. My grandmother taught me that nothing's impossible. She spent two generations organizing women in upstate New York. My mother taught me nothing's impossible. If you want to get something done, just tell me it's impossible. Um, okay, um, here is something that's impossible. You ever being president. There it is right there. That's the impossible thing. Gillibrand was, was on her high horse the entire debate. You know, I'm going to talk in a little bit about Kamala Harris getting destroyed on the stage. Gillibrand actually really got destroyed on the stage as well. So we may as well go through Kirsten Gillibrand because this is probably the last we're going to hear of her. She's not going to make the final round of debates. So we're going to bid a fond farewell to Kirsten Gillibrand. You know why Kirsten Gillibrand is going nowhere? Because she's the worst. Let me give you an example. So Kirsten, this is clip 35. Kirsten Gillibrand is talking about race in the United States and she suggests that she is going to be fantastic talking to white people about race because mommy is going to lecture all the whiteies about what it means to be woke. I mean, th- this is really her case. It's unbelievable. It, she's so bad at this. So bad. 
I think as a white woman of privilege who is a U.S. senator running for president of the United States, it is also my responsibility to lift over those voices that aren't being listened to. And I can talk to those white women in the suburbs that voted for Trump and explain to them what white privilege actually is. That when their son is walking down a street with a bag of M&Ms in his pocket, wearing a hoodie, his whiteness is what protects him from not being shot. Well, I mean, also not getting into a confrontation in which you're beating a man's head against the pavement is a, is a great way of not getting shot as well, it turns out. But in, in any case, there's Christian Gillibrand. She's going to convince, that's going to be her pitch to Trump voters. She'll win them over by going into their house and lecturing them on their white privilege and that their sons should be shot on behalf of not having white privilege. Smart stuff from Kirsten Gillibrand. Joe Biden actually put her through a wall. It was one of the more delicious moments of the debate. This is clip 43. Gillibrand tried to attack Joe Biden on women, citing an old op-ed. And then Biden responded by finishing her off in brutal fashion. So under Vice President Biden's analysis, am I serving in Congress, resulting in the deterioration of the family because I had access to quality, affordable daycare? I just want to know what he meant when he said that. That was a long time ago, and here's what it was about. It would have given people making today $100,000 a year a tax break for child care. I did not want that. I wanted the child care to go to people making less than $100,000. And that's what it was about. As a single father, who in fact raised three children for five years by myself, I have some idea what it cost. In the very beginning, my deceased wife worked, but we had children. My present wife has worked all the way through raising our children. I was deeply involved in all these things. I came up with the It's On Us proposal to see to it that women were treated more decently on college campuses. You came to Syracuse University with me and said it was wonderful. I'm passionate about the concern making sure women are treated equally. I don't know what's happened except that you're now running for president. (laughs) And the crowd loses it. Kristen Gillibrand. Goodbye. See you later, Kirsten Gillibrand. Okay, so we're getting rid of some of the less important candidates, and then we'll get to the the actual red meat of this debate. So when things began to get hot, okay, when things began to get hot, it was really all about Biden. So everybody decided to level their guns at Biden. I'm giving you sort of an intro to the various candidates. We have to introduce the players before we get to the fisticuffs. So Tulsi Gabbard, who ended up being a major player in this particular debate, she led off with a differentiating factor. She has military experience. Now, her foreign policy may be garbage. And when I say maybe, I mean, it it really is. She has a very isolationist foreign policy. She ran cover for Bashar Assad in Syria in the midst of him murdering his own citizens. But Tulsi Gabbard does have a different pitch. If she didn't have such a crazy foreign policy, she'd be a major threat to Trump. She really would. She she would be. If she weren't a, a nut on Syria, then Tulsi Gabbard would really be a dangerous candidate. Here is Tulsi Gabbard talking about her military experience. This is her pitch. I love our country. It's why I enlisted after 9-11. I've served as a soldier for over 16 years, deployed twice to the Middle East, and serve in Congress now for almost seven years. I know what patriotism is, and I've known many great patriots throughout my life. And let me tell you this, Donald Trump is not behaving like a patriot. Gabbard would be a real threat to Trump, as we'll see. She's very good at what she does. There's one point here, the most critical moments of the debate, where she basically ends Kamala Harris on the stage. Okay, then there's Andrew Yang. So Andrew Yang didn't get any sort of attention in the last debate. He showed up to this debate and he actually did get some attention for good reason. Now, because there's so many candidates, differentiating factors matter. So he didn't wear a tie in the last debate. He didn't wear a tie in this debate. And the fact is that because he didn't wear a tie, it actually gave him a very solid pitch. First of all, I like Andrew Yang. I will admit it. I know Andrew Yang personally. He came on the Sunday special. We had a really good conversation about his universal basic income proposal, with which I disagree. But I think that he is a 
technocrat who wants to improve the workings of government. I think that his ideas are not ideas that I agree with, but he certainly has a more interesting take than most of the Democrats on the stage. This is Yang's clip too. What he said at the end of the debate was really his key moment. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he picks up a couple of points here. Do you know what the talking heads couldn't stop talking about after the last debate? It's not the fact that I'm somehow number four on the stage in national polling. It was the fact that I wasn't wearing a tie. Instead of talking about automation in our future, including the fact that we automated away four million manufacturing jobs, hundreds of thousands right here in Michigan, we're up here with makeup on our faces and our rehearsed attack lines, playing roles in this reality TV show. It's one reason why we elected a reality TV star as our president. And he is not wrong about any of this. It's why the Yang gang may actually start to become more of a thing. And so in one second, we're going to get to the, the candidates that everyone actually cared about last night. That'd be Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, and Joe Biden. We'll get to their intro statements, and then we'll get to the fisticuffs, right? This is all the setup for the big round-robin WWE Nitro. Okay, it wasn't that exciting, but it did have its moments. We'll get to that in just one second first. Let's talk about the quality of the sheets upon which you sleep. Now, I know that you don't think too much about that sort of stuff because you just figure I'll go down to the local Bed Bath & Beyond. I'll pick up some sheets at retail prices, and it doesn't matter if they're good or not. They have a high thread count. I don't know anything about sheets. Here's the fact. You need a great set of sheets. How can you make this happen? You need to go to Bull & Branch. Everything that Bull & Branch makes, from bedding to blankets, is made from pure 100% organic cotton, which means they start out super soft. They get even softer over time. Bull & Branch sheets are so good that once I got some, I actually threw away all the other sheets that we had and bought more Bull & Branch sheets because they just are quality. You can buy directly from Bull & Branch, so you're essentially paying wholesale prices. Luxury sheets can cost up to 1000 bucks in the store. Bull & Branch sheets are only a couple of hundred bucks. Everyone who tries Bull & Branch sheets loves them. Chipping is free. You can try them for 30 nights, and if you don't like them, you can send them back. That's not going to happen. They're fantastic. There's no risk, no reason not to give them a try. To get you started right now, my listeners get 50 bucks off your first set of sheets at bullandbranch.com. Promo code Ben. Go to bullandbranch.com today for 50 bucks off your first set of sheets. That's B-O-L-L and branch.com. Promo code Ben. Bullandbranch.com. Promo code Ben. They're fantastic. Go give them a try. Okay, so Cory Booker then introduces himself. And Booker is desperate for attention. He made sure that Rosario Dawson packed him his angry eyes last night. Uh, Mr. Potato Head. He always makes sure that he brings his angry eyes. Well, last night, he brought his angry eyes, and he talked about how President Trump was very, very bad for insulting Baltimore. Dude, you ran away from being mayor of Newark, and Newark was no better off than when you were before you were mayor. And you're going to talk about the failures in our inner city? Like, you are part of the failure in the inner city. Last week, the president of the United States attacked an American city, calling it a disgusting, rat-infested, rodent mess. Donald Trump from Charleston to Baltimore to even the border is using the tired old language of demagogues, of fear mongers, of racists to try to divide our country against itself. We know who Donald Trump is, but in this election, the question is, who are we as a people? Okay, Booker has nothing. Now, it, it's really funny because the press afterward was saying, what a great job, Booker. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I think the conventional wisdom on Harris was right. I think the conventional wisdom on Biden was right. I think the conventional wisdom on Booker is totally wrong. Booker's got nothing. He's going nowhere. He's rehearsed. He's annoying. Forget it. Done. Okay, then there is Kamala Harris. So Kamala Harris, this was supposed to be her second big push, right? She had her big push in the first debate. And in that first debate, she smacked Biden around on federal forced busing, even though she actually opposes forced busing. 
And then she smacked Biden around on health care. And then she doesn't actually have a health care plan. Well, it turns out that this was a bad night for Kamala Harris. It didn't start off all that great. She started off by botching her opening line. Here she was. And I am prepared to march with you, to fight with you for the best of who we are and to successfully prosecute the case of four more years of Donald Trump and against him. I like that she, <laughs> I like that she realizes halfway through that statement that she's just talked about why she was going to argue for four more years of President Trump. Just <laughs> a weird moment. She, she, she was botching things all over the place. And then there was Joe Biden. So Joe Biden is the front runner, the clear front runner at this point. He's doubling up everybody else's numbers. And he's doubling up everybody else's numbers because people have a genuine level of sort of comfort with Joe Biden. They feel like they know him. He's old Joe, old, reliable Joe. Well, all he had to do was survive last night. He did it kind of barely. Right? So he started off strong. By the end of the night, he was fading in terms of energy. So we will play you the beginning of the debate and the end of the debate. And you will see the, the benefit of Joe Biden and the drawback of Joe Biden. So here is the benefit. Joe Biden makes people feel comfortable for whatever reason, mostly because they know him already. Here was Joe Biden at the beginning. So, Mr. President, let's get something straight. We love it. We are not leaving it. We are here to stay, and we're certainly not going to leave it to you. Okay, so this is Joe Biden looking a little bit more energetic, and the crowd responds because they think Joe Biden can beat Donald Trump. By the end, Joe Biden is grandpa who doesn't understand the Internet and is still using dial-up for AOL. I mean, really, this is how Joe Biden concluded. So if the rip on Joe Biden is that he is too old and too weak and too feeble to go up against Trump, you can make the case based on some of his performance last night. That's the case. He was stumbling over his words. Here was Joe Biden at the very end. So everyone pitches their website at the end of the debates, which is stupid. Okay, everyone who uses the Internet knows how to Google somebody's name. If you want to Google Tulsi Gabbard, you're going to find her website. You want to Google Joe Biden, you can find his website. Joe Biden, what he's trying to do here is say that you should text his name to a number. And instead, he just completely botches it because he doesn't know what the interwebs are. This is the United States of America. We've acted together. We have never, never, never been unable to overcome whatever the problem was. If you agree with me, go to Joe 30330 and help me in this fight. Thank you very much. <laughs> go to Joe 330, Joe 30330330. People immediately went online, bought those websites and start redirecting them to like Mayor Pete. So well, well done, Joe Biden. That, that did sort of underscore the rap on Joe Biden, which is that he's still old and doddering. But again, it wasn't a bad night for Joe Biden overall. All he has to do is survive because this Democratic field is a very weak field. That is just the fact. Now, maybe it is the case that when you have big fields, like in 2016 with the Republicans, the field looks strong until it begins to coalesce. And then you're like, wow, this field isn't nearly as strong as I thought it was. But I think that inherently this is a very weak field. It really is. Kamala Harris doesn't have any experience and she's bad at her job. And Bernie Sanders hasn't accomplished anything in the, since the time of the dinosaurs when he, when he first rode a brontosaurus into Congress. The, the, the fact is that this field is so weak that Joe Biden, who has run unsuccessfully for president three separate times, is going to jet set into the middle of this field. And, he, and right now, best indicators will probably pick up the nomination. So... It was a good night for Joe Biden. It was a bad night for Kamala Harris. So now we're going to get to the fisticuffs. Now we get to the fun part. Okay, here is Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. Harris had the bad night. So here was Harris being asked right off the bat, what the hell are you talking about in your health care plan? Right, she's asked by Jake Tapper. Why, no, no one understands your health care plan. And her initial response is so weak and so poor. Here's what Kamala Harris has to say. 
Well, they're probably confused because they've not read it. But the reality is that I have been spending time in this campaign listening to American families, listening to experts, listening to health care providers. And she obfuscates, right? Then she just goes on and she obfuscates. She's got nothing. No, the reason no one gets your plan is not because they haven't read it. First of all, no one reads campaign plans on websites. The reason that no one understands your plan is because you don't understand your plan. You made it up in the last five minutes, five minutes ago. Now, this is where Joe Biden really launches into Kamala Harris and the, and the veneer of Kamala Harris begins to crack. By the end of this night, Kamala Harris is lying in shreds on the floor. It is a very, very bad night for Kamala Harris. So Joe Biden goes after Kamala Harris on her health care plan. It's brutal. The response is that uh, the senators had several plans so far. And uh, anytime someone tells you you're going to get something good in 10 years, you should wonder why it takes 10 years. If you notice, there's no talk about the fact that the plan in 10 years will cost $3 trillion. You will lose your employer-based insurance. And in fact, you know, this is the single most important issue facing the public. And to be very blunt and to be very straightforward, you can't beat President Trump with double talk on this plan. I mean, brutal, brutal moment. You can see she, 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 cannot, she cannot take the heat. And then Michael Bennett, the senator from Colorado, who apparently only on stage for this moment, he went after Harris as well. He says, listen, what you're talking about is not math. It doesn't make any sense. Senator Harris is my friend as well. But I have to say, if we can't admit, if we can't admit tonight what's in the plan, which is banning employer-based insurance, we're not going to be able to admit that when Donald Trump is accusing Democrats of doing that as well. We need to be honest about what's in this plan. It bans employer-based insurance and taxes the middle class to the tune of $30 trillion. Do you know how much that is? That is 70% of what the government will collect in taxes over the next 10 years. Okay, <laughs> she, she, and she's got... Nothing. Right? So what does Harris come back to after all that, after she gets blasted on her own plan, which is a completely unworkable plan? Harris comes back to the same point that Democrats tried to make last night, which is that anybody who asks a question of Democrats is repeating a Republican talking point. This is such a weak line. It's the it's the equivalent of Hillary Clinton suggesting that when people ask questions about her husband's morality, it was a vast right wing conspiracy. Here is the fact. The criticisms of health care, her plan are coming from other Democrats on the stage. It's coming from Joe Biden and Michael Bennett. Because those other Democrats recognize reality and Kamala Harris simply does not. You'll see Kamala Harris respond. It was a very bad evening for her. Get to more of that in just one second. First, I'm too busy to go to the post office. That's especially true these days because last time I went to the post office, I'm telling you, city of Los Angeles, crappy at everything. They won't collect your trash. They won't clean up the homeless problem. They won't get the open needles off the streets. But if you park five inches in a red zone for five minutes and 21 seconds, they will give you a $100 ticket. They're amazing at it. So I'm not going to the post office anymore, even though I kind of like the post office. Instead, I'm using stamps.com. When you go to stamps.com, you get all the services of the post office without actually having to go there. Stamps.com makes sure that whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can do all of those things. You simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, just hand it to your mail carrier or you drop it in a mailbox. It is indeed that simple. With Stamps.com, you get five cents off every first-class stamp, up to 40% off priority mail. 
Not to mention that it is actually a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. Stamps.com, it's a no-brainer. It saves you time and it saves you money. It's no wonder that over 700,000 small businesses already use Stamps.com. Right now, we have a special offer for our listeners. It includes a four-week trial plus free postage and digital scale. No long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in Shapiro. That is Stamps.com. Enter Shapiro for that special deal. Stamps.com is fantastic. I use it personally. We use it at Daily Wire. Check them out. Stamps.com. Use that promo code Shapiro. Okay, so Kamala Harris comes back and she suggests that any criticism of her crap plan is a Republican talking point. Well, the one thing she has right is that if she were ever to make it to a general election, it certainly would be a Republican talking point because the American people hate her plan. By polling data, Americans want to keep their employer-based health insurance. Most people are pretty happy with their health insurance. Here's Kamala Harris weakly responding to Michael Bennett. We cannot keep with the Republican talking points on this. You gotta stop. The reality is that what, under my Medicare for all plan, yes, employers are not gonna be able to dictate the kind of health care that their employees get. They will be able to make that decision. Okay, no, they, they won't be able to make that decision is what you're saying. And then Joe Biden finishes Harris off on all of this and harkens back to guys like, you're standing up here ripping on a seminal piece of legislation that Democrats used to celebrate as a big effing deal in Joe Biden's words, Obamacare. Here's Biden responding to Harris and really clocking her. This is not a Republican talking point. The Republicans are trying to kill Obamacare. For $30 trillion has to ultimately be paid. And I don't know what math you do in New York. I don't know what math you do in California. But I tell you, that's a lot of money. And there will be a deductible. The deductible will be out of your paycheck because that's what will be required. Okay, and he is, of course, exactly right about this. Bad moment for Kamala Harris, who doesn't actually have a plan on all of this. Okay, then the debate moves on to immigration. I should note here, Cory Booker kept trying to interject. He's such an irritating human being. Cory Booker, Spartacus, Mr. Potato Head, he kept trying to interject in here to do this. Why are we arguing with each other routine? Because it's a debate. Because this is what you're supposed to do. And Cory Booker is the most vicious person on that stage. I mean, truly a vicious politician who goes after everyone. And then in the debate, he's just like Chris Christie. Chris Christie did the exact same thing in 2016. He would go out there and savage everyone. And then he would get on stage and be like, why are we all talking about each other? Why can't we talk about Hillary? Cory Booker does that same obnoxious routine last night. Here he is on healthcare. Well, first of all, let me just say that the person that's enjoying this debate most right now is Donald Trump as we pit Democrats against each other while he is working right now to take away Americans' health care. He's, again, it's a debate. Pitting Democrats against you because it's a debate. Nobody, Cory Booker's done, okay? He's not a thing. Stop trying to make fetch a thing. He is not a thing, Cory Booker. Okay, meanwhile, the Democrats move on to immigration. Once again, the, the Democrats are very radical, except for Biden. So Julian Castro leads this thing off. And again, he's gonna, this has become a Democratic meme. Basically, whenever a Democrat says right-wing talking points, that is code for a question I don't have an answer to. So he is, so Jake Tapper quotes Jay Johnson, the Homeland Security Secretary under Barack Obama, not a Republican, we should note. Again, the, the transformation of Barack Obama into a Republican, the Affordable Care Act is a giveaway and a boon for the pharmaceutical and insurance companies. And immigration enforcement is really bad. It's always been bad. And Jay Johnson was really bad. So Julian Castro, who was the HUD secretary under Barack Obama, he decides that he's going to go after Jay Johnson, the Homeland Security Secretary, under Barack Obama. They're part of the same administration, right? Serving in the same administration. And Jay Johnson has said, if you decriminalize border crossing, you're going to increase the number of people crossing the border illegally. Here's Julian Castro calling that a Republican talking point from Jay Johnson. 
Open borders is a right-wing talking point. And frankly, I'm disappointed uh, that some folks, including some folks on this stage, have taken the bait. The only way that we're going to guarantee that we don't have family separations in this country again is to repeal Section 1325 of the Immigration Nationality Act. That is the law that this president, this administration is using to incarcerate migrant parents and then physically separate them from their children. Okay, you know who else did that? It was Barack Obama. You actually don't need Section 1325 if you want to detain people and then the Flores settlement obtains and then you have to separate parents from the kids. That is not, you don't need Section 1325 to do that. This is just, a, it, it's a stupid talking point. People who suggest that repealing 1325 would in any way end the family separations. If Trump wants family separations, they will happen. If he wants to detain people, the detentions will happen. People who cross the border, even legally applying for asylum are usually detained for a period of time because we have to process them. And under the Flores settlement, you can't detain people for longer than 20 days with their children in custody. That means you have to separate the kids from the parents. The system is backlogged. Democrats know this. It's a dumb talking point. Joe Biden points out that this is a dumb talking point. And Julian Castro goes back at him. This was, I thought, the only moment that was bad for Joe Biden. But even there, it wasn't particularly bad for Joe Biden because the fact is that Julian Castro is a nobody. And he was a member of the same administration. It just doesn't work. Most Americans are on Biden's side of this, this argument. I found that, Julian, excuse me, the secretary, we sat together in many meetings. I never heard him talk about any of this when he was the secretary. In addition to that, we're in a circumstance where if, in fact, you say you can just cross the border, what do you say to all those people around the world who, in fact, want the same thing to come to the United States and make their case, but they don't, that they have to wait in line? The fact of the matter is you should be able to, if you cross the border illegally, you should be able to be sent back. It's a crime. Uh, first of all, Mr. Vice President, it looks like one of us has learned the lessons of the past and one of us hasn't. I have guts enough to say his plan doesn't make sense. Here's the deal. The fact of the matter is that, in fact, when people cross the border illegally, it is illegal to do it unless they're seeking asylum. People should have to get in line. That's the problem. All right, the only reason Joe Biden sounds a lot more reasonable than Julian Castro here. So Julian Castro obviously running to the left of the party on immigration. But Biden sounded re now he's still stumbling. He's still fumbling. So all of this is true about Biden, right? He is a stumbler. He is a fumbler. He is going to stutter. He is going to he's going to get choppy in his wording. But what he's saying sounds so much more reasonable to the vast bulk of Americans than anything the other Democrats are saying that he survives last night and he does so looking pretty good. Now, we're going to get to Bill de Blasio, who was the weapon of choice against the Obama administration in this debate. We'll get back to him in just one second. First, you know, it's very important that if you're a responsible person, one of the things you have to do as an adult is put together a trust or a will. Now, my wife and I have both. We have a trust. We have a will. It is deeply important. If you got kids, even if you don't have kids, you have any asset base at all, you need a trust, you need a will, but it shouldn't cost you a fortune. You shouldn't have to go to a buy our lawyer in order to do that. Instead, it is the perfect time to do it. National Make a Will Month over at LegalZoom. For more than 18 years, LegalZoom has developed a straightforward way for you to protect what you care about the most, your family, and then making sure that your assets go to your family in case, God forbid, something happens to you. This starts with a last will or a living trust estate plan. By the way, you want to protect yourself against the estate tax, estate tax that Democrats are surely going to jack up. You need a living trust. If this sounds confusing, don't worry. LegalZoom can help you out. It really isn't. They have a ton of online resources for you to figure out what's right for you. If that's not enough, their network of independent attorneys can provide advice if you need more direction. Make things easier for those you care about the most. Check out LegalZoom's last will and living trust estate plans now during National Make-A-Will Month 
at LegalZoom.com. For special savings, be sure to enter promo code BEN in the referral box at checkout. That's code BEN for special savings only at LegalZoom.com, where life meets legal. Go check them out right now, LegalZoom.com, and make sure to enter promo code BEN in the referral box at checkout. Okay, we're going to get to the rest of the Democratic debate coming up. First, you have to go subscribe over at DailyWire.com. First of all, we do have an event coming up August 21st in Long Beach. You should go to DailyWire.com slash backstage and check that out. Yes, we charge you money. The Daily Caller has reported shockingly that we charge you money for tickets for this thing. I know, it's a shock, but it's actually a lot of fun. We'll see you there. Also subscribe because it helps protect us from the evils of the left that want to censor all material they don't like. Your subscription helps bring you the content that you want. It makes you part of our team, and we are adding such great stuff behind the paywall. I can't even talk about it yet. My business partner will get mad, but... It's going to be so awesome. There's there's a lot. And right now, you already get a lot of awesome stuff, including all three hours of the Ben Shapiro show live every day, as well as taped without any sort of commercials. You get the Leftist Tears, Hotter Cold Tumblr one. You get the annual subscription. We are multiplying by leaps and bounds the sort of material that you get when you become a subscriber. So go join up right now at dailywire.com. We are the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Okay, so Bill de Blasio again, was the lead attack dog against Biden and Obama because he's a communist. And so de Blasio really went after Biden on immigration. And he pointed out that Obama deported a lot of people, which, of course, is exactly true. And it's fun to watch Democrats realize that Barack Obama deported many. Barack Obama deported like three million people by statistics. Donald Trump has deported like 250,000 people. So it's not even close. Here is Bill de Blasio going after Biden and Obama. 11 million people here, and everyone in theory has broken the law, but they're part of our communities now. They're part of our economy. They're our neighbors. Why are we even discussing on one level whether it's a civil penalty or a criminal penalty when it's an American reality? And what we need is comprehensive immigration reform once and for all to fix it. Second, Vice President Biden, I didn't hear your response when the issue came up of all those deportations. You were vice president of the United States. I didn't hear whether you tried to stop them or not using your power, your influence in the White House. Did you think it was a good idea or do you think it was something that needed to be stopped? Mr. Okay, and and Biden says, well, I gave him advice, but I'm not going to explain to you what the advice was because I was VP when we were in the White House at the time. Weak answer. This was Cory Booker's one effective moment. Booker then ripped into Biden and said, listen, you can't associate with Obama when it's convenient and then disassociate when it's inconvenient. First of all, Mr. Vice President, you can't have it both ways. You invoke uh, President Obama more than anybody in this campaign. You can't do it when it's convenient right. and then dodge it when it's not. One second, second, because that point is fine. It's where Booker goes next that's insane. So every Democrat on the stage would attack Joe Biden, and then they would move on to a point that was patently crazy. So you'd have Julian Castro attack Joe Biden on immigration and then say we should decriminalize and basically create open borders. You would have people attack Joe Biden on Obamacare and then move on to, but we need Medicare for all. So Booker does that right now. He attacks Joe Biden. He says, you can't associate with Obama when it's beneficial and then say you don't like the deportations. But then Cory Booker goes to merit-based immigration is inherently bad because Biden had said we should bring in PhDs. We should bring in people who are qualified. And Booker's like, no, we should bring in everybody. Okay, you just blew all your credibility because you're now saying something totally crazy. And the second thing, and this really irks me because I, I heard the vice president say that. If you got a PhD, you can come right into this country. Well, that's playing into what the Republicans want, to pit some immigrants against other immigrants. Some are from... Okay, this is crazy. Okay, now, now, this is the point. Every time they attack Biden, they then start pushing a further left agenda that makes Biden look decent. Okay, this was true on crime as well. So Cory Booker attacked Joe Biden on his criminal justice record. This is an area where Democrats think they're going to make a lot of hate, particularly with black audiences in the United States. 
they've been saying for years, Democrats have, that the criminal justice system is racially biased and terrible, mass incarceration, police officers randomly arresting black people. That's all by statistics a lie, but Democrats have been pushing it. So here's Cory Booker pushing that agenda. And again, it doesn't end all that great for Cory Booker, but this is the attack line. Mr. Vice President has said that since the 1970s, every major crime bill, every crime bill, major and minor, has had his name on it. And sir, those are your words, not not mine. And this is one of those instances where the house was set on fire and you claimed responsibility for those laws. And you can't just now come out with a plan to put out that fire. We have got to have far more bold action mm-hmm. on criminal justice reform. Now, here's where Biden is stuck between a bit of a rock and a hard place. Here's the fact. What Joe Biden should say is in 1994, we were at the very tail end of the worst crime wave in American history. From 1960 to 1994, crime skyrocketed in this country. Violent crime, particularly in the inner cities, targeting black folks. That is simply a data-driven fact. And by 1994, everyone, right, left, and center, was in favor of harsher policing and harsher sentencing. 54 out of 56 Democrats in the United States Senate voted in favor of the 1994 crime bill. Everyone voted for the 94 crime bill. Cory Booker would have voted for the 94 crime bill. And it brought down crime. And what Biden should say is, and that created space for us to now loosen the laws, right? That's where Biden should go. He has another line of attack. His other line of attack is that Cory Booker is a freaking hypocrite. And he drops that one and Booker is just blown away. In 2007, you became mayor. and You had a police department that was, you went out and you hired Rudy Giuliani's guy. You engaged in stop and frisk. You had 75% of those stops reviewed as illegal. You found yourself in a situation where three times as many African-American kids were caught in that chain and caught up. The Justice Department came after you for saying you were you were engaging in behavior that was inappropriate. And then, in fact, uh, and nothing happened the entire time you were mayor. Okay, all of that is true. All of that is true. And Biden stumbles over the attack. And this, again, underscores the fact that there are weaknesses to Biden as a candidate. He's not a terrific debater. He's not a great candidate. But again, Cory Booker going to let's free all the prisoners is a bad place to go. Okay, then finally. We get to the moment when Harris gets destroyed. So Harris has sort of been sitting in the background. She starts off the debate. She basically gets clocked on health care. And then things really go wrong for her. So Harris jumps into the middle of the racial fray. And she's urged to do so by the CNN moderators. They say, you know, you had this whole thing last time around about federal busing. And Kamala Harris jumps in and she attacks Biden on busing again. And you're about to see things go so wrong for Harris. (laughs) This is like watching a car wreck in real time. And it was pretty delicious because Kamala Harris deserves every bit of what she's about to receive from both Biden and Tulsi Gabbard. It's brutal. Here is here is Kamala Harris leading it off. Remember, she started it. She did not. When you start a fight, you got to finish the fight. She started the fight. She did not finish this fight. Here was Harris going after Biden. When Vice President Biden was in the United States Senate working with segregationists to oppose busing, which was the vehicle by which we would integrate America's public schools, Had I been in the United States Senate at that time, I would have been completely on the other side of the aisle. And let's be clear about this. Had those segregationists their way, I would not be a member of the United States Senate. Cory Booker would not be a member of the United States Senate. And Barack Obama would not have been in the position to nominate him to the title he now holds. Okay, so so without federal busing, Barack Obama wouldn't have been president? Sure, sure. Okay, so here and then Biden comes right back at her and he points out, "Um, lady, you support the exact same busing policy that I do, and you're a hypocrite. When Senator Harris was the attorney general for eight years in the state of California, there were two of the most segregated school districts in the country, in Los Angeles and in San Francisco. 
And she did not, like, I didn't see a single solitary time she brought a case against them to desegregate them. Secondly, she also was in a situation where she had a police department when she was there that, in fact, was abusing people's rights. Okay, so Biden sounds a little slow on the attack, right? So this is a damaging moment for Harris. But then, apparently, he, he deputizes Tulsi Gabbard. They went in the back room somewhere. He swore her in. And suddenly, this turned into the, the entire revenge montage from Tombstone. Because Tulsi Gabbard, <laughs> my God, Tulsi Gabbard brings the hammer about as hard as I have seen someone bring a hammer in a presidential debate since Chris Christie went after Marco Rubio. This is brutal. She takes a chainsaw to Kamala Harris, rhetorically speaking, obviously. She just viciously murders her. <laughs> this is the meme from The Simpsons. Stop it. Stop it. He's already dead. I mean, that's what this, watch Tulsi Gabbard go after Kamala Harris and Kamala Harris collapse into dust like the end of the first part of the Avengers. It's unreal. I want to bring the conversation back to the broken criminal justice system that is disproportionately negatively impacting black and brown people all across this country today. Now, Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash you, bail system in place that impacts poor people in the worst kind of way. The bottom line is, Senator Harris, when you were in a position to make a difference and an impact in these people's lives, you did not. And worse yet, in the case of those who were on death row, innocent people, you actually blocked evidence from being revealed that would have freed them until you were forced to do so. There is no excuse for that. And the people who suffered under your reign as prosecutor, oh, you owe them an apology. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and Kamala Harris is, she starts to, she has the same tick as, as Hillary Clinton does, which is that when she gets caught out, she starts to laugh. And you can see her starting to laugh right there, right? She, she, it gets awkward. She starts to smile. She starts to laugh. Ow, wait. And I don't know, have, have you guys seen that series on, on Amazon called Patriot? And one of the opening scenes is one of the characters standing next to another character on an empty street. And then a truck starts to pass by and he just puts his hand behind the other character's back and throws him in front of the bus. Throws him right in front of the truck. Tulsi Gabbard to Kamala Harris. Ow-wee! Brutal. And Kamala Harris has no comeback. And that was really the story of this debate, right? Joe Biden survives. Not a lot of damage done him. I, I think he did some damage to himself in a couple of different areas, for example. So I will say that, that, that there was one point where Joe Biden suggested that he was going to eliminate coal and fossil fuels and, and fracking in the United States, which... That's not going to play in Pennsylvania, where this is still major industry, both coal and fracking. Here was Joe Biden saying that. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. Just to clarify, would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, it would be, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those, either any fossil fuel. OK, so again, that, that, that may come back to haunt him, but overall... Not a horrible night for Joe Biden, horrible night for Kamala Harris, horrible night for Kamala Harris. And also 
a lot of rich veins of attack opened against Barack Obama and against Joe Biden by Democrats that would be better prosecuted, frankly, by Republicans than by Democrats. So bottom line is by the end of this debate, Kamala Harris is in serious trouble. Kamala Harris's candidacy, I think, is about over. I think that moment that she was having after the first debate is basically done. And we've seen this in debates before. And Carly Fiorina had a moment in the Republican primaries in 2016 where she sort of vaulted to the top and then she receded back to the back. And you're seeing the same thing happen with Kamala Harris, who had vaulted near the top, and then she receded all the way back down to 10%. Last night was a very bad night for her. Even CNN was pointing out what a bad night it was for Kamala Harris. The CNN panel just shredded her. This is clip 48 talking about Kamala Harris's performance last night. She, um, I, I thought when she was attacked, I don't think she performed well. And um, she was on the defensive quite a bit tonight, and I, it didn't help her. Did anyone think she did a good job? No. no. Uh, what do you think about the job she did? Um, I, 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 I think she spent a lot of her time attacking Joe Biden tonight mm-hmm. and just being very, um, just mean-spirited almost in the way she was just constantly going after him. Not that, I mean... So that turns you off, though. A little bit, yes. But, uh, but all of it. Just brutal. I mean, the CNN panel ripping Kamala Harris apart. And you can see Kamala Harris knew exactly what had happened. After the debate, she was asked about Tulsi Gabbard, and she got incredibly defensive, incredibly defensive. Here is Kamala Harris getting so defensive that it is extraordinarily off-putting. The Kamala moment is over. This is now becoming a Joe Biden versus Elizabeth Warren race, and it's doing so pretty quickly. Here was Kamala Harris to Anderson Cooper trying to go after Tulsi Gabbard and instead punching herself in the face. Did you expect that uh, from Tulsi Gabbard? Uh, had, had you had interaction about that in the past? And how do you think it went? Well, I mean, listen, I, th- this is going to sound immodest, but I'm obviously a top-tier candidate. And so I did expect that I would be on the stage and take hits tonight because there are a lot of people that are trying to make the stage for the next debate. Yeah, it's do, the, for a lot of them, it's do or die. Well, yeah, and especially when people are at zero or 1% or whatever she might be at. Ow. Okay, so that, that is not going to be good for Kamala Harris. It makes her look like a jerk because, frankly, she's kind of a jerk. So bad, bad night for Kamala Harris. Bad night for Barack Obama. Fairly good night for Joe Biden, who survives and moves on to our next elimination round. So that, that is where we currently stand in the Democratic race. Again, I think this is now shaping up pretty clearly as a Joe Biden versus Elizabeth Warren race, as Elizabeth Warren, I think, continues to gain momentum. The media keep propping her up. They're tired of Bernie Sanders. If the Bernie bros hold on, then Biden runs away with the nomination. If the Bernie bros hold on and Bernie continues to carry 20 percent, 15 to 20 percent, then Elizabeth Warren can't break free and even compete with Joe Biden. They split the vote. Biden runs up the middle, takes the nomination. He's a dangerous candidate for Trump. He's a dangerous candidate because he is not nearly as crazy as the other Democrats, because the American people have a generalized comfort level with old Joe. He's not as energetic as Trump, but he's also not as controversial as Trump. I've been saying for literally since before the 2016 election that if the Democrats had run Biden, he probably would have won. I think that Biden remains the most dangerous candidate for President Trump. I think the Trump administration knows that as well. Okay, time for a quick thing that I hate. No things I like today. We'll just do a quick thing that I hate, and then we'll be out of here. Okay, quick thing that I hate. So I commented on this on the radio show yesterday, but didn't have a chance to on the podcast. So Mario Lopez has now been canceled. He's been ripped into by the left. Why? Because Mario Lopez, he, he engaged in a grave sin. He suggested that three-year-olds can't choose their own gender. Oh, no. Oh, okay. My three-year-old cannot choose his food. He cannot choose his underwear. He cannot choose anything. You know why? Because he's three. He is three years old. And if you think that three-year-olds are capable of choosing their gender, 
that they are capable of deciding whether they are a male or a female when they are a biological male, for example, you are out of your freaking mind and you should not be a parent. It is that simple. Now, maybe that kid has problems that are going to, has gender dysphoria or gender identity disorder. Maybe those are going to exacerbate as the kid gets older. At three years old, the answer is no, you're a parent and your job is to provide a solid, innocent background for your child. This is what Mario Lopez says. And then he's ripped and then he's forced to sort of back off of it if he wants to keep his job because we live in this idiotic cancel culture where if you say something wrong, if you make a boo-boo, we throw you in, in the boo box from Hook. And we just throw you in there and we toss scorpions and snakes. Mario Lopez said this. You ready for this? Here is his deeply offensive comment that had him trending number one on Twitter. Quote, I'm trying to understand it myself. Please don't lump me into that whole group. I'm kind of blown away too. Look, I'm never one to tell anyone how to parent their kid, obviously. And I think if you come from a place of love, you really can't go wrong. But at the same time, my God, if you're three years old and you're saying you're feeling a certain way or you think you're a boy or a girl or whatever the case may be, I think it's dangerous as a parent to make this determination then, well, okay, you're going to be a boy or a girl, whatever the case may be. It's sort of alarming. And my gosh, I just think about the repercussions later on. When you're a kid, you don't know anything about sexuality yet. You're just a kid. Now, people are saying, well, that's conflated. Look at him. He doesn't understand gender theory. He's conflating sexuality and gender identity. No, he is saying that as you get older, one of the major components of your life is going to be how you treat your sexuality. That has something to do with your biology and, for example, your hormonal development in your genitals. You might want to know something about that before you make a decision. Again, I won't let my three-year-old make decisions because he's smart for a three-year-old, which means he's dumb for an adult because he's three. One day he will be a smart adult. Not today, man. He's going to try and jump in the pool without any sort of flotation device. I'm not going to let it. If I left my son alone for two hours, he would be dead. I'm not going to let him choose his gender. Blair White, who is a transgender woman, meaning a biological male who has gender identity disorder. I've talked with Blair. We've had hour-long conversations on this, this particular issue. Blair White tweeted out that if you have a three-year-old who you say is, is non-gender conforming, then that's like having a cat that is vegan. We all know who's actually making the real decision there. Okay, it is not the cat and it is not the three-year-old because three-year-olds are not capable of making decisions along these lines or basically any decisions at all. Mario Lopez forced to apologize, of course, because this is the stupid world in which we live. And people lied about what he said. They said that he was saying you can't support transgender kids. That's not what he said. That's not what he said. He said kids at three don't make decisions. Duh. Obviously true. And by the way, if you let your kid at three make those sorts of decisions, you're a bad parent. End of story. Because kids at three do not make any. You wouldn't let your kid decide what to eat. You wouldn't let your, your kid decide whether to go to school. You wouldn't let your kid decide his bedtime hours. You wouldn't let your kid decide their own, his gender. What, what nonsense. What absolute sheer garbage and silliness. Alrighty, we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Robert Sterling, directed by Mike Joyner, executive producer Jeremy Boring, senior producer Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, and our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant Nick Sheehan. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Hey, everyone. It's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. Well, the second round of the second Democrat debate is over, and our choice is clear. Are we going to stick with mean, mean Mr. Donald Trump, who has restored the economy, kept the peace, and restored the Constitution, too? Or are we going to go with a nice, compassionate, good-hearted Democrat who will destroy everything? We'll talk about it on The Andrew Claven Show. I'm Andrew Claven. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. 
Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.